Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people. And today I have a returning guest, one of my favorite people, a true inspiration and a good friend, Del Shores, playwright and filmmaker and now author. He has a new book out called The Sorted Lives Saga Before the Trip. It's the characters from Sorted Lives before all the events from the movies and the series and the plays. So if you're a fan or if you're if you're new to Sorted Lives, you're definitely going to want to pick that up. And uh, it was so fun to talk to him about it. Before I get to the interview, though, I want to remind you that there are now two ways you can listen to Dennis Anyone. You can listen, as you always do, on your favorite podcast app, or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. For just twelve ninety five a month, you'll get access to my show 48 hours earlier, before all the riffraff, and then you'll be able to listen to a bunch of other great shows like the Derek and Romaine show, Perfect Date with my friend Tom Goss, The Focus Group, The Adam Sank Show, and many, many more. So go to dnrstudios.com to learn more about it. And if you subscribe and say that Dennis Anyone is the show you listen to the most... I'll get a little money from that. Woohoo! We love that. All right. Also, I have a voicemail now. So if you want to call and leave a voicemail, the number to do that is 1-888-647-9653. And I might play it on the show. Uh, Dell and I do some questions from the observation deck later in the, in the podcast. So if you hear any of those questions and you're like, oh, I have a story about that, um, leave me a voicemail and I'll, and I'll play it on the show. Oh, and before we get to the interview, I have one more plug to get in. I'm literally recording this on a voice memo on my phone to insert at the last minute. The Mismatch Game is coming up this weekend. I forgot to mention it before. It's this Saturday and Sunday, May 21st and 22nd. Saturdays at 8 o'clock, Sundays at 7 o'clock. We have an amazing cast of characters coming to play. We did a promo video featuring Nicole Kidman. Um, kind of a parody like like the AMC thing with my friend Danny as Reba Ariba. It's hilarious. You can see it on my Facebook page and my Instagram. Um, that's it. Come see the Mismatch Game this weekend. You can learn more uh, by going to eventbrite.com and searching Mismatch Game. All right. That's enough for the plugs. Here is the interview with Del Shores. Joining me now via Zoom, it's a returning champion, Del Shores, writer extraordinaire. Hi, Del. I love that returning champion. Well, you've done the pod a few times. You've always been very supportive, and I always love our conversations. So whenever you have a new project, I want to jump on it. I'll I'll take the Bible for 100, please. Right. I bet you could sweep the whole thing because your (laughs) father was a preacher. Right. Yes. When I I watch Jeopardy, my favorite category is either the Bible or or, uh, movie titles or something like that. You know, it's... So you do, you know the Bible pretty well. Pretty well. I What's mean, the yeah, best was, part? What part do you like? Uh, uh, the, I guess the cover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. All right. I like it. All right. It's good. Speaking of books, you have a new book out. It's called Sorted Lives Saga Before the Trip. So you're taking your beloved characters from Sorted Lives and you turn them into a novel. Is that right? It is a novel. It's 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 almost like a collection of short stories, but that it 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 ultimately is a novel. My goal was to write uh, from each character's point of view, and as you did, as I did it, I told the entire story that was the, the that preceded uh, before Peggy tripped on those wooden legs, which was the original play and the original movie. So that, so this book is taking place before then. What made you decide to write it? 
Well, uh, the, the pandemic. Um, I had written 19 chapters of this before I sold the series to Logo. Oh, wow. Because it was the source material. If you, a lot of what's in this book was covered in the, the series, uh, but it just gets uh, a lot more into the depth and the fabric and, and, and the souls of these characters. And uh, I really loved doing it. And so what, what happened was I sold the series and then I sort of just put, had put it away. You know, it was, uh, it was sitting, as we say, it was sitting in a drawer, but it was really sitting on Facebook in those notes I had put them in there, and I was like, where is that novel that I started writing? And oh, wow. I found 19 chapters on uh, the old Sorted Series Facebook page. So I decided, because we were all just stuck, Yeah. so I just started to read and drink. In the afternoons, <laughs> in, the, in the late evenings, to, there you to, go. The, to the fans. And they, at the end of the 19, they said, well, what else? What else? And... I thought, well, since I'm stuck, I'm going to finish it. You're going to so finish 32, it. 32 chapters. So th- Facebook isn't evil. It helped you find this stuff. It did. Um, it did. Had you written a book before? I know you, a lot of no. your things have been pa- published. What What was it like? Was it different? How Very did you find different. it? Very uh, different. Uh, yeah, the, the, the uh, interesting thing about this whole Sorted Lives franchise was, in, in Leslie Jordan uh, talks about this in the foreword of the book, is he gave me a book years and years ago at a dinner party. He used to bring, instead of wine, he would bring books. And so he gave me this book, Shiloh and Other Stories by Bobby Ann Mason. And I just went nuts over this book. It was it was all short stories. It was all about women in the South, and they made a journey of some sort. Some event in their life changed the course of their life. And so I wrote, I decided I would try my hand at writing a short story. And I wrote a short story called Nicotine Fit. And it's about Sissy trying to quit smoking three days after her sister died. And her, her nieces, Latrell and Lavanda, were fighting over in the, in the short story. It's a fox stole. It changed to a mink stole right. um, in the play. Because we couldn't find a fox stole. So uh, it, instead of, you know, really hunting for a fox stole, it was just easier to change it to right. me because they were yeah. readily available at thrift stores. So anyway, I back back in the day, back in the 90s, like late 90s, I wrote this short story. And then I thought, oh, that's a, there's a play there and the birth of Sorted Lives. And so it was kind of full, full circle to return to the medium where it all started. But yes, it is very different to write in, in, in a, a prose sort of way. And I loved it. I just loved it. And well, I had a great editor, so that helped as well. I'm about halfway through it, and the characters are just so, they come alive, just the way they do on stage, and your voice is there, and it's just delightful. Which, you write about all the characters, Brother Boy, Peggy, Latrell, Sissy, Nalita, Lavanda. Who surprised you in the book? Did did something happen where you're like, oh, this is not what I thought about them. Do they ever surprise you? Yes, they did. Um, the, the, the one that really surprised me is uh, the, the character of Juanita, because 
you know, I had known that there was childhood uh, trauma in, in my research of childhood trauma that causes a lot of addiction. Sometimes you're masking the pain. And so I knew that. Remind me which Juanita. one, which one in one Juanita is. is the drunk. She's the drunk the in the bar. Drunk, the with... very funny drunk yes. that was played by the, the late great Sarah Hanley. Right, right, right. And so, but when I started, you know, I, when I teach acting and when I direct and when I uh, teach writing, I always tell my students, scratch deeper scratch deeper what's underneath all of that yeah and when i started really scratching deep into juanita it got very dark and i just allowed that to happen and it's because i just i felt like that you know i've been funny these characters have been funny right let us see the other side of them sometimes and you know it's i also loved how you understood gw yeah, more what the, the the one with the wooden legs, the, uh, because he's such a villain, he's such an antagonist. But I, I could, uh, more people have written me about Juanita and GW because they go, I didn't expect to like GW, and I like him in the novel. Oh, that's uh, nice because you understand where the pain comes from. Yeah, you know. Now you've written lots of great plays: Daddy's Diane, Who's Got the Will, Trailer Trash Housewife, Southern Baptist Sissies. This one is got a cult phenomenon thing that is just probably surprises you to this day does do you ever does it ever uh, you know when like ginger doesn't want to talk about gilligan's island or you know what i mean have you ever had that moment of like well i've done other things or has it always been a gift to you always been a blessing the the phenomenon of it the truth is it has always been a blessing i do have that moment every now and then like somebody, some asshole <laughs> on, on either Instagram or Facebook, it says, um, it'd be nice if you wrote something else besides, <laughs> sorted, besides these sorted people. And I'm like, bitch, go to my IMDb. So, pa- take a lunch. Take a do bite. I have to, I don't go into your cubicle and ask you what you're doing with your work. I can do whatever the, first of all, I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> right. my work. If I want to just write the next novel, Nolita's journey to whatever. Right. Uh, or, Lavanda and Nolita take a road trip. I mean, I can do that if I want to. That's not up to. Don't you get tired looking at me getting all on a soapbox? <laughs> I get so tired of people <laughs> telling other people what to do on social media. You can't do this. You can't fill in the blank. We've that become is- a nation of scolds. That's like yeah. people live to scold, and I and like it's it's bizarre. Like I I can't wait to get up in the morning and tell somebody and scold somebody online. I can't wait. I live for it. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Well, um, go, you know, go scold. You know, Kyle Rittenhouse for murdering people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't scold me for writing funny characters. Well, and also and it's have... it's also you've written a ton of stuff. You're one of the oh most prolific God, people I'm... I know. Yeah. When, I, when you think about the, my, I mean, I don't mean to sound grand or anything, but I, I, I write daily. You're prolific. So you, think, you think about my body of work since Sorted yeah. Lives. It includes about yeah. six other plays and screenplays. That I, in, yeah, anyway, life. but yeah I, yeah, I get it. Like, I can understand why that would be a, a little a bit, lot of a little bit dulling. Television. <laughs> a lot of it. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite piece of fan art? Because I'm sure fans of Sorted Lives have done created things for you right uh somebody did a portrait of brother boy that captured the sadness 
Ah, which is and, Leslie Jordan's character. Yes, and I love it so much. It's yeah. really beautiful. And, I mean, I have so much. I mean, uh, you know, Daniel Robert did a a portrait of, uh, not a portrait, but a painting of me naked because I have all this naked uh, art in my um, male naked art. And that's not really being a fan, but it, I just love, I love anybody that can, can create art. And uh, it, I, I've had a, a, a lot of, now there's some that aren't so good. Sure. You know, <laughs> Let's be but it's all, it's all flattering. It's a thought that counts. Does Leslie Jordan want that brother boy painting for himself or is he, he fine he with you having not, it? He's seen it. He loves it too. Yeah. And, uh, there's a, they do a lot of brother boy. There's a, I have a brother boy doll in my condo in Palm Springs and I, that, that's kind of gorgeous and creepy all at once because it looks like that brother boy is going to just start walking around and murder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you, are you doing an Airbnb Sorted Lives thing, or did I dream that? No, no, no. There is an Airbnb uh, Sorted Lives condo in Palm Springs. Yeah, just Google Sorted Lives condo and uh, go stay with all the memorabilia. It's what, great. What has that been like? What has it been yeah. like to have that? Profitable. I love it. It's good. <laughs> you hustle, and I admire that so much. I, I heard somebody recently say, somebody, a mentor or somebody that I listened to uh, on a podcast, and they sort of said, the the biggest indicator of success is how people can handle rejection and failure. And what have you learned about that? Like, I think for everyone that you see doing stuff, you're like, they've probably been through it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm human. And, right. um, and, and I, I have crazy disappointments and, um, you know, the last year during the pandemic, it was, it was tough, but I was able, uh, with Emerson Collins, we wrote and sold uh, a series and uh, it was, we loved it. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but sure. it, we loved it. It got to the network. It was, and then all of a sudden it was like, no, oh, it man. Was, you know, all this work. I mean, we were paid nicely. It yeah. was, it was great, but I get so attached to my characters. Right. I love them so much. And so when it's almost like they're sentenced to death and there's TV is such a disposable medium. Right. And that's why I love returning to the stage because I know my plays are going to live on and there will be many incarnations of Sissy and Latrell and, you know, Willa Dean from, right. from, from Trailer Trash Housewife and Raylene. So, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's always tough. But you managed uh, to pick yourself up and keep but going. Then, but then you, you give yourself a little time. You yeah. go, okay, you can only be like, you know, throw yourself a pity party for just a right. little bit. Right. And, and, and then you have to get back on and, you know, we're writing more, more pilots and I'm writing a new play. So, uh, creativity feeds me. It, yeah. it, it really does. It's like a good meal. So I don't know how not to be. I love it. What's your writing habit like? Do you like, I'm si- I'm in the chair from nine to noon or whatever it is. It's not that specific, but I always, uh, write early in the morning. And I get up, I, I'm a news junkie, as you probably know, yes. and I, I see if, you know, what happened in the world and what I can rant about on Twitter. And then I check all the emails and all that, you know, the banking, and then I just turn everything off and I spend time just with my head, with my, I, I, I write on 
you know, um, uh, uh, I keep forgetting we're not really on camera, but I write on a pad. Oh, so you do longhand. I have tons of pencils. I do longhand, yeah. And my rewrite goes into the computer. Right. So I I tell, I, I, I share this all the time with my writing students. I said, you have to parcel out a time of the day that is just yours. You have to turn everything off. Right. You have to make sure that, you know, the, the phone's not going. You can't get the notifications. Uh, and you just create. And it's I, amazing how much you can build in a little bit of time. One or two hours, sometimes three. Yeah. You know. Do you have specific pads that you like and pencils? Because I can be, like, very um, fastidious when it comes to office supplies. Yes, it's the it's this. Okay, and that's a pencil. You can, you can tell I do a lot of rewriting. Right, there's a, an eraser. There's okay. That's a that's almost gone. It's almost gone. I, th- I almost always throw the pencil away because the eraser is gone. Wow. Uh, so I It's done its I, time. It's, you've had you have a little ritual. You've done you've I served have me a well. Box. Yes. Wow, pencils, you yes. are old skill. I love looking at people's office supplies. <laughs> I can't get it up. Look at that. I am ready. Yeah, what brand is it? What brand are they? It is uh, Papermate. Uh, Papermate, uh, right on. So anyway, uh, so that's my, and then uh, with Emerson, we schedule every single day. We have other things besides writing. Right, you guys we, work a lot together. He produces an ad. We work a lot together. And, yeah. yeah. So we work from 10 to 1 every single day, almost every day. Uh, except for the weekends. So nice. There's a, there, there's a schedule. There and an accountability. A schedule. Yeah, I love that. Um, I wanted to just pick your brain out about a few things. You, okay. you occasionally teach in colleges. What's what's going on with academia? What do you think of it now? Because you hear um, that that they're very protective places, and nobody can take a joke, and their free speech is an issue. And but I'm also inspired by young people. What's it like for you when you go into an academic situation? Um, I find that the, that my students, I, I, I teach at Northwestern State University every year now. I'm their guest artist. I'm now their uh, permanent guest artist. Look at them. you. And where is and it at? I, it's in Natchitoches, Louisiana. It's where Steel Magnolias was uh, set and shot. Oh. So I literally go by the Steel Magnolias house every day when I walk to, to work. Uh, Don't you want to just and, get some actors from your class and go recreate scenes? I want to go. Yeah, I want to do the scene in that cemetery because I go in that cemetery all the way. Like, hit Weezer, you know, just just yes. you know, bunch of guys and drag me yes. uh, to to act it out. But um, I, I feel I find my students are so um, receptive. I mean, I am in the theater department. And Are you teaching teach, acting or writing or both? I teach acting for the camera, so I'm oh. sort of alternative programming there. Nice. And then I and then I teach playwriting. Yeah. And then, and then last year they commissioned me to write a new play, and I had a world premiere at the theater with students that I directed, and it was truly one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. But what I found about this, and thematically, is first of all, students are so much more fluid now. I mean, it's like the pronouns change sometimes. Like one year it's. Uh, uh, she and her, and the next year it's they them, and you really have to to honor that. Yeah, and you have to you have to go. Okay, this is a time of growth for these students, right? But I I actually find that they have incredible senses of humor. That's I have awesome. not found that they're they're you know it's uh, it's it's so. Um, 
I don't mean just um, in, in any way that there's anything wrong with being woke, but sometimes I feel like that we've gotten so woke. Like I, I look at my past standup and I go, shit, man. Yeah. I hope that I don't, you know, nobody unearths that. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't mean anything, any harm, but, you know, nowadays. You, 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 it, the, li- it, the, it, goals, the lines are always changing. The, the, yeah. It seems like. It feels like. It does. Yeah. It does. But then on the other hand, I go, but... I made people laugh back then, and now I've learned that maybe I could have made them laugh a little differently. Yeah, rather than offending this person. Right. You could so see anyway. it as a challenge. You could see it as a challenge. Like, okay, well, I I need to find a way to be funny, and right. and uh, honor this moment. Um, but I I do work with with like you know my my students are always really good ones. I mean, yeah. you know, they don't let the, they don't let just anybody take that's my classes. Fine. So that's also uh I'm I'm very uh you know, we we always use the word blessed in the church. And yeah. I feel I do. I feel every year I go down there and I just like come back and I go this is great. This is this they they, they, they Someone wrote me the other day. They go, they're so lucky to have you. And I go, no, I'm lucky to have them. I yeah. really, truly am. Well, you get to clear your head. You get to be in a different space. It's very creative. And you're doing something yeah. good for people, right? And you're teaching yeah, people. Yeah, I just, yeah, I love it. And my mother, you know, my mother was a high school drama teacher. Yeah. So I always feel like I'm honoring her to a degree when I get to teach, you know, three and a half weeks at a university. I have this image of you, like, in the audience or backstage, like mouthing the words or watching them do it. Cause when it's, when they're professional actors, like you work with people like Octavia Spencer, you know, they're, they've got their stuff, but when they're right. new and they're green and they're young and there's probably this excitement, like, Oh boy, you're really rooting for them. Yes, I am. And they, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I was able to write my first trans character, uh, because I, I wrote this play, uh, after I auditioned, the actors. Oh, okay. So you were able to write it for them. Inspired. I was inspired by some of their stories and it was just a beautiful creation that we did together. It was called in memoriam of Lena about this. uh, You, you start with this memorial service and you see that everybody's kind of struggling to say something nice about this person. Right. And then the last, uh, the last uh, person, Jory D says, she goes, let's just call it for what it is. Lena Lewis was a fucking asshole. (laughs) And then there's a blackout and then she steps out of the audience. Oh, nice. So she's getting to witness her memorial and you don't know quite why. And then she gets to witness the chaos that she left behind. Wow. We just, we get to see what her journey is and what kind of redemption she can find. I love it. So it's a very different kind of play for me. Yeah. But it really had a lot of diversity and a big LGBTQ theme. Nice. So when you go down there and teach, how long are you there for? Is it a month of I'm your there, life? That last year, I was there five weeks nice. because uh, of the because of directing the play. But I'm usually there uh, three solid weeks. Nice. That my classes are very long. I mean, you know, they, they, I, I teach from like three thirty to ten at night. Yeah. Two different classes, so they're long. What have you observed about young people compared to how we were back in the day? And I know you also have daughters too. You know what's weird is I I I, I yes I do my, and and with my daughters as well they just seem a lot younger than we were. <laughs> I know it was just because we were you know we were that age I know. Is going, you're you're yeah. a senior in college and 
you're acting like that, you know, it's, there, there, there's so much youth still there. Yeah. And um, I just perceived myself as such more of an adult. Right. Than I guess I was. You were, you were a mover and a shaker. Yeah. I, maybe I wasn't. Maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, Dr. Ann Miller thought, oh, he's just a kid. Right. You know. Um, I wanted to ask you about Hollywood, your relationship to Hollywood. It sounds like based on the story you just told me that it's, that it's uh, complicated or, you know, kind of goes in waves. But how do you think of yourself in relation to Hollywood? Because my thing where I'm at now is I've done some work in that area, but I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to plow ahead and do my thing because I I don't know how to – I don't know how to get them to care or not care or whatever. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm not going to worry too much about them. Yeah, it is complicated, Dennis, because I – you know, I've had a good ride, and I don't want to – I don't want to – disrespect the the opportunity that i have had in television and and film uh, my first film was a studio picture i've never had one since yeah da- that wrote, was daddy's dying right daddy's, daddy's dying. dying who's got the will yeah. I, I i i wrote probably over 30 pilots and maybe three of them got made yeah uh, one of them went to series and that wasn't even done the traditional way that was sorted lives so uh i gotten to write on some really good tv shows i loved writing on queers folk and darman greg and i had i worked with amazing people but in that I feel like when all is said and done, my best work has always been the plays or the independent features where I got to keep my voice because television and and film is so collaborative and it is heartbreaking because there's so much disposal of good material. So, you know, I, when I started at Warner Brothers after Daddy's dying, I mean, my, I, I was next door to John Wells. So John Wells was there developing at the same time I was. And you see all these careers that, you know, okay, so I, then I worked with Bill Prady on Darman Gregg, and he went on to create Big Bang Theory. And there's a part of me that goes, God, I didn't, I never got that one. I never got, I came too close, but right. I never got that one. But I have to celebrate that. I had a, I've had a great run. You, you keep going and that you're doing, you're, you're doing what you want to do. Sometimes I, what yeah. I think about is you get to do the thing. You're doing the thing. And sometimes you get money, a lot of money for it. Or sometimes that That's thing right. is on television or whatever, or you have an office next to so-and-so. And sometimes it's just you at a Starbucks, right? That's right. But That's you get, right. but you get to do the thing. Um, what have you observed about wealth? From Because I, I have a, I want to ask that because I had an experience the other night where I was, invited to a fancy party as I was helping somebody facilitate something. Like, I wasn't a guest. I was there to help facilitate. Um, And it was the weirdest vibe. All of these really rich people. And I felt like I would go to tell them something related to the task that they were all there to do. And it was like I wasn't there. Like, I wasn't a person. And I didn't feel disrespect. I didn't feel bad about myself. I'm just like, this is weird. These people, and they don't seem very nice or happy. Um, or fun. And we were meant to do something fun there. It was weird. Um, I don't, I'm, this is more of me airing my own experience and dragging you into it. But you, I, I do feel like when somebody becomes super rich or successful, part of the bandwidth of that is managing the idea of it. And does this person want something from me? Or what if they ask for right. my email? Or what if they try to give me a script? Or like right, all of that right. energy. And uh-huh. I think it kind of, I think it keeps you from being connected in some ways. 
I don't know. These were not fun folks. I was there to well, do something fun, and they were not fun. Then don't hang around those. Because I, I think there's a lot of wealthy people that are fun folks. Yeah. I, I've been very fortunate in my 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 life and my career that there are people that have a lot who have been very generous and help fund my movies and help you know give to my foundation. I've, I just had an event in in Nashville with the with our foundation, and and everybody was really celebrating that we are finding these new storytellers, these new queer storytellers from the South and giving them opportunity. And, and they wrote checks. I so, love it. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but, but I do understand that. I do understand where you go to say, you know, an event and a bunch of the housewives are there and, you know, and, and these people that are so full of themselves that they don't see others. It, it had a it had a housewife's vibe yeah. to it. I will say, yeah, it was just I I, I left there and I'm like that was the most peculiar place, yeah. and it made me not it made me feel bad for the really wealthy people. Um, I love your storytelling, so I have some new questions from my observation deck that I thought I would throw at you and just see if anything comes up. Um, okay. Do you have anything for this one? Has when was the time when somebody burst your bubble? <laughs> I'm road testing. I'm road testing new questions on you. Are we just? Uh, do we only have like a, a few more minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, the, the the most recent what I already talked about was yeah. when with Mildred, this TV show that we loved so much, right? And then they it, that we get that that final no. Yeah. It's like fuck. Yeah. You know. I guess. I guess. You know. Uh, when someone says, I don't want to be with you anymore, the marriage is over, and you didn't see it coming. That, that, that's, that's a pretty a big, big bubble burst. Big All right. bubble uh, I like burst. it. So, yeah. Every yeah. now and then, you know, you yeah. get that review that bursts your bubble. You yeah. think, oh, it's going to be like raves. And then all of a sudden, it's like the first one comes out, and it's just awful. Yeah. Um, so I, I've had plenty of, of bubbles burst. In I just life. had a flashback of one. I had a CD of music that I put out in 2000 and I had this big launch party and it was fun. And we did some songs and I, I bought this shirt at, um, Fred Siegel. I don't shop there. I'm not a rich person, but I was like, this is, I'm going to do something special. And it, it was, a, it was like a, 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 kind of powder blue shirt, just a crew neck. Right. And somebody that I don't know that was brought there by somebody else told me afterwards that I should have worn a V neck. And when I think of that party, I was like, they were probably right. I should have worn a V-neck. And it was the dumbest little thing, but it's 22 years later, and I'm still thinking about, like, that shirt was a mistake. Anyway. You know, that's just an asshole. Because, <laughs> I mean, no, it is. Because you think I, it's like the same thing as Carrie Bradshaw telling, what's his name, Berger, that he should not have written that, that's a scrunchie in his novel, and it's already been published. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're like, wait, wait. I already wore the powder blue. <laughs> it's too late for a V-neck. Yes. I, 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 I can't undo this night. That was special to me. Right. You asshole. <laughs> I know. I can't believe Carrie did that too either. I, I can't. Um, yeah, she did a lot. Right. Here's a, here's a question. What's something you own in a door that was previously owned by someone else? Mm, well, right behind me, uh, Sarah Hunley, who played Juanita, left me this Hoosier, which is an antique. And if What's I look a Hoosier? Around, it's like a, a cabinet, but it's kind of like a... Yeah, but... It's it, like an it, armoire? It has a... It's, it is, but it's it's a kitchen. It's supposed to be for the kitchen. So it, right in that, I, I want to... Uh, I mean, I'm pointing and they can't... I know, but it's here, a big, beautiful it's like a piece of furniture. Yeah. 
Wow. It's gorgeous. It's all have books in it and I have China in it. And she, she just, you know, she didn't really have a will. She just put, had a post-it that said, give this to Dale. Wow. <laughs> and so that I love. And it fits um, perfectly in that little alcove. It was that you like, have. it was made for that. Beautiful. Spot. And, you know, I'm looking across the room and there's my mother's uh, China cabinet over there. And my, my friend Sharon Lane, who passed away, this is her table. So I have a lot of dead folks' furniture in my house. <laughs> I love and, it. Yeah, but it, it just makes me, it reminds me of them. And yeah. I love them. I love it. Um, what's something you or someone you know is superstitious about? I'm not very superstitious. In fact, I, I call people out on it all the time. They go, oh, don't talk about that. It jinxes it. I'm going, please. Right. Uh, you know, but my family was so superstitious. And my grandmother, I remember when I was a little bitty boy, we lived out in the country and I was with my grandparents. And she made my grandfather, there was a black cat across the road. And he had to go like 15 miles uh, she made him turn around wow. and go a completely different way because we would have bad luck. It was all so I knew all the superstitions. I knew you do not walk under a ladder, yeah. I, and, and you know, and, and, and you know, the, if you spill salt, you have to throw some over your shoulder. I mean, there were all these things, or you're going to have bad luck. Right. But I still, you know, I guess I still knock on wood. You know, uh, my dogs looked up like who's at the door, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I do that, but. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a very superstitious person. Right. But boy, you, that story, the, 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 you probably had enough of it growing up that you were good. You're good. like, please, yeah. Nana, Nana, please. All right. <laughs> um, here's a question. When was a time that you felt like a kid in a candy store? Anything come to mind? Uh, oh, um, well, I guess that yearly sell they have downtown, uh, my friend works for Ted Baker and Ooh. I just feel like I'm stealing things. Like, I don't I know what Ted this Baker. is. Well, you know, they have those, that samples. Yeah. Sale. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to be invited sure. and then you go in and there's just tons of stuff and you can get $300 jeans for 40, uh, you know, shoes and watches. And I, so I just leave there, um, with a lot of Ted Baker. I love it. And it's like a once a year thing. It's once a year. And, she, and, and here's the sad part is she just left the company. And I don't think I have a connection to the Ted Baker sample candy store sale anymore. Wow. All right. Well, maybe somebody listening to this will kind of, will will solve that. I know. You don't know. You may have had your last glorious one. Maybe not. I have. I have faith. I full prize. Um, here's another one. A new question for the observation deck. What's, when you were growing up, what's something that someone else had that made you green with envy? Well, I always loved Johnny Raffles bell bottoms. Yes. So that, that, that comes to mind. Pants. He so he, Sexy he guys in pants. He inspired me with those bell bottoms because he was brave enough to wear them. And so then I came, I was second brave enough to wear them. But I think, you know, more than that, my friend Shirley, uh, you saw my my my, my one man play six characters yeah. in search of, and it's funny that I had a monkey that bit me later on. But she had this spider monkey, and I begged my mother to let me because in, in the back of Boy's Life, you could order like a spider monkey for nineteen dollars or something. What exactly and is a spider monkey? It's this little bitty this rodent looking monkey, and it's literally a live monkey. It's a live monkey. Her her name her her uh, uh, monkey's name was Bunky. 
Right. And uh, it, but but that was a mean monkey too. It, it, it would, you know, you'd walk it on that leash and it'd jump up and bite you. Uh, but so your I friend had a monkey named Bunky. Named Bunky. I I wanted a monkey. Yeah. Man, man. I mean, all I could, all I got were sea monkeys. Yeah. I can't <laughs> believe those. I can't believe you could just order a monkey out of a magazine. I, I that's crazy. Um, what's something you did when you were younger that made you feel like a grown up? When I was 16 years old, I got a job. Yeah. And it was it was mowing lawns and at the, this resort and watering plants and they didn't pay very much money, but every week I would get $150 and I would go and I would spend every bit of it on clothes, on, you know, uh, bell bottoms right. that were inspired by Johnny Rathmull. So right. I think the fact that I made money and got to spend it, that, that did make me feel, yeah. and it gave me a sense of, 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 of adulthood. Yeah. What was the job? It was, I, w- I worked as a, at a resort with my friend Ronald Berg. Right. And we did everything. We, we mowed lawns. We filled up the pool. We filled, you know, we, we did anything they asked us to do. And, um, and we worked without, a, I got really tan. And yeah. I, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be tanning ever. But, um, yeah. This so kind of sounds that. like a sexy summer thing, right? With it was, people it was, on it was, holiday. Yeah. 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 I like it. I, Loved guys that wore Angels Flight disco pants, and they were bell bottoms. And I envied the way they fit certain people because I did end up getting a pair. Like my senior year, I was a little late, but I didn't quite. I didn't quite pull them off the way like I could list names right now that could do it. Uh, like yeah, there was somebody. Yeah, they they gave were you that little bit of a bulge. They were kind of. I, they were very provocative. They were very they as, were. as our choir director said. They showed the plumbing. And thank you, thank you, John Travolta, for, for <laughs> right? making them a sensation. They were, a, they were for a window of time there, and I still can get like I get, like if somebody's in a movie that went with them. Yes, the silk, oh, the disco. They like, well, they we say silk, but they were really just polyester, like Kiana or some <laughs> nonsense or, or whatever, uh, whatever like that. Um, what is a favorite souvenir or a prop that you've kept from one of your projects? Oh, I have it right. I'm looking at it. There is a cross. Right across from me, from the set of Trailer Trash Housewives, and uh, Trailer Trash Housewives, and in the other room, I have a mannequin that has Juanita's original wig, wow, from the series, and her original costume, and a little uh, secret: it also has a jar of Sarah Hundley's ashes in her purse. Wow! Some people find that a little creepy, but I find it kind of, it, it, it kind of soothes me because I loved her so much. So I've, I've got a lot and I've got in my sorted life's condo, I've got the winner sign that was on the highway. I've got the, um, uh, the highway 83 sign that we had that we made. And so I, I've got quite a few props I, I've kept. What are the little special things in the condo? Like, what are the things that people lose their mind for? They love, I made this lamp of the wooden legs. So, <laughs> you know, so literally the lamp. How many legs the, are there? There's just two. Right, just okay. Two of, uh, that, you know, right. but they're, they're literally there with the boots just kind of 
whoppy jawed kind of, and, and they're just great. They're, that, that's that's what I think people love the most. Right. And then of course I have the Tammy Wynette uh, figurine that was that Brother Boy had in his room, and a lot of the Tammy Wynette. I've got a shrine to Tammy Wynette there. That is such a so, smart idea for you to do that as a side hustle thing. Like I just so and, smart, and, 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 and people there, love so. it. Yes. Yeah. And people love it. And Palm Springs was where sort of life sort of became like the cult thing. What's it, it like when you go there? Do, do, are well, there I people that are still go. like, oh, I remember yeah. when that ran in the theater for, for months? If I ever run low on funds, I just have to book a show down in Palm Springs and they'll sell out. They all come and see you. <laughs> they come. They, 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 Palm Springs has been so good to me. Um, the play ran there. I mean, the movie ran there 96 weeks. They've done... They've done Sorted Lives, the play at the Palm Canyon Theater nine times now. Wow. Doing a very sorted wedding at Desert Playhouse. They always celebrate my work there, and I'm just very grateful to that community because uh, they, they've just embraced me for years. They gave me a star down Yeah, there. Walk of Fame star. Yeah. I love that. So, when you started doing stand-up, because um, you, 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 you do stand-up and spoken word stuff and also storytelling and stuff. What was it like for you at first? Were you, were you, did it come naturally or were you afraid you were going to bomb? Yes, of course. Uh, and, you know, you had Mr. Jordan, who I was so, uh, you know, connected with. Right. Taught me a lot. But I, I'll tell you, the, the person who taught me the most about stand-up was Caroline Ray. Oh, interesting. Uh, but because she saw my, I, you know, a one-man play, which I, I, I've had, had two of them. She saw it when, I, when I, I, I had several shows in New York, and she came and saw it, and she said, she said, let's pull pieces of it. She said, that's just stand-up. What you do is really storytelling stand-up. And so I went on the road with Caroline, and, and we went to, we, you know, we did, I opened for her in, in several cities, and... She taught me. She, we, we played comics together in New York and with Leslie and Rue McClanahan. And so I would watch her every night. And the one thing that Caroline taught me verbally and through, through action is if you connect to the audience immediately, if you start talking to them and engaging with them, they're yours. Because you're just now having a conversation. Right. So when people talk at them at that mic and they don't connect with them, uh, I think that, that that's harder. And I don't do jokes, Dennis. So I, I don't do like, you know, the joke. Set up oh, punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell stories. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's always been uh, sort of an extension of everything I do. Yeah. Uh, it's another form of storytelling. Yeah. And it, it, does it feel great when it's going well? It feels so good. I yeah. loved it. I just, I just went back down to Palm Springs. I headlined uh, Cathedral City Gay Days recently, and it was the first time I'd stepped on stage in, uh, I guess, since August of last year. I did one show in Dallas, and I'm doing this show called The Shit Stir, which is so much fun because I talk about, you know, all the people who have blocked me on Twitter and, and, right. and read the tweets and, and you know, the, the trouble I've gotten into. And it also acknowledges my political activism. Sure. And I, I talk about how important that is to me and should be to all of us. And especially, I mean, given what's going on in the last week, I mean, yeah. it just continues to, we just, what are we going to lose next? Yeah. You know, what are we going to, so, so I said, we can't allow this. And I, 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 I really uh, celebrate 
the the way that I have been able to to make a difference in my own little way, whether it's just phone phone calls and in, in, in Mississippi, you know, yeah. getting on the phone and and knocking and dropping there. So I just loved going back on stage and, and just talking and they were listening. So I, I have another show coming up this month in Little Rock Yeah, and I, it'll be fun. When you go to these places and you perform, I imagine like I live in California. I'm not around a lot of conservative people or I'm not around a lot of people like that, but you must get people that come there and feel like you're an Island of, of um, like-mindedness, I guess. What's it well, like to connect with the people? It's the best because, you know, I, many people, they go, I can't believe you do well in Birmingham. I can't believe you do well in, you know, name right. the red state in, in Little Rock. And I go, well, I'm alternative programming. Right. This is something that they, they, and if, if someone st- stumbles into one of my shows and they're not, you know, supposed to be there uh, <laughs> and they walk out, it's fine. I mean, I've had that happen before. You know, I've had someone yelling as they walk out, you know, shooting the finger and telling me, fuck you before. Right. And, um, but, but that's okay. You know, I go, I don't know. Did you not Google me? Right. <laughs> before you bought your ticket? I like you have that thing in you that's like f you if you can't take it like like I'm a little bit more like oh I want everyone to be happy you're a little bit more of a shit stirrer where does that come from my mother my mother was my my poor dad you know my dad was always it was always my mother was always stirring up some shit in the church she was mad at Miss Ingram because Miss Ingram this is this is a great example this is a very short story I love a short uh, story or a long okay. story. So where I got the the name Latrell was, we had this uh, this woman in the church named uh, Miss Ingram, and Miss Ingram was the busybody. She always knew everything about everybody's life, and you know, and 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 you know, I'm gonna, pr- oh, I heard you know, gossip through through prayer requests. Right. Dennis, I heard about that awful breakup that you had. I'm just gonna pray for you. Right. Uh, you know, that's a, so Mrs. Ingram. I I had gotten my first commercial out here i was 24 and it got me my sag card but you know southern baptists do not believe in drinking and right. it was for coors beer oh scandal and it premiered on the super bowl and wow. so yes yeah, so it was it was either the super bowl or it, it was always the, those sunday afternoon football games yeah. that i don't watch and so miss comes up to my mother at church and she goes well, I saw Delford's Coors commercial the other day during the football game. Hmm. And my mother said, oh, yes, he did. He filmed a Coors commercial. Now, tell me, Miss Ingram, how is Latrell's divorce going? <laughs> and I thought, that so is how my mother would handle things. She was just, you know. A very intelligent right. bitch. Like, exactly. It was. It was. Uh, it wasn't unapproachable. Like you couldn't come out and say you shouldn't have said that. It was subtle. Like right. she would slide it in with a smile. As a dig. As a dig. I love it. That's so, delicious. So, yeah. So so I, that's where I get the shit stir. My mother was fearless. Yeah. Fearless. Yeah. When you read all and hear all the stuff that's going on in Texas, how do you feel as a as a person born in Texas? How does it the dissonance of it land? Well, you just made me sad. It, you know, it, it makes yeah. me, it makes me almost ashamed 
that that that's where I that's I'm not ashamed of where I came from. I, I love my state, and there's a lot of blue people down. I mean, there's a lot, and there's a big wave going on. And I hope yeah. Beth O'Rourke wins, but there's a lot of hatred that is spewed in the name of the the Lord. And of course, I have a career as a result of that. Right. But I I I I, I never thought that we would be fighting this hard right now. I thought that we had won and we were moving on. Yeah. But it's, it continues to be, and you know, it's, it, it, it's just, it's horrible people that have been elected in the state of Texas. I mean, you know, I end my, I end my show, the Shitster with a quote from Ann Richards and that's, I want, we need Ann Richards back. We I know. I just way. saw the show that Holland Taylor does about Ann I Richards. I did too. Spectacular! Yeah. I couldn't believe how good it was. But oh, yeah, it was it was a it was a masterclass. Yes. In acting and writing, it was so brilliant. And, I, and she wrote it. What's the quote that you love? The quote is "Get off your duffs and make a difference." She said, "I challenge you. We've got. I, I, I'm paraphrasing. We have to do this for our children. And when when you are when you're gone, I hope you leave something that you are proud of." Yeah. And she, it was just a call to action that she said, "We we can basically can't stay silent." Yeah. You know, we can't just sit back and watch it happen. We have to scream, and we have to scream loudly sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes you do that through your work, which is which is amazing, and which is why I've always admired uh, you and your your career and your um, and your pivoting and doing this and doing that. And I, I just think it's great. I'm inspired by you all the time. How can people learn about your book and buy it? Well, you can go to delshores.com yeah. and it's the links are right there. Just that's so easy. You go to Amazon and you search. Del Shores or Sorted Saga, and yeah. it will come up. And it's done so well. I've been very – uh, in the LGBT section, it hit number two in new releases. Oh. It never got to number Who one. Who kept you out of there? I'll, I'll... Oh, it was, I think it was called Boyfriend Material or something. It oh. was just, it's still just doing very well, so good for him. This was one of those things where I just go, you know, whatever happens with it, happens with it. And it was really – wonderful that it sold so well so quickly and um still happening so there you go have you gotten to do any events have you done any signings or readings or anything like that i I did you know just on my website i just we did a virtual event but i haven't been to any bookstores but i just got invited today uh to a book club in Nashville where they're going to all read it and then they're going to do a benefit for my foundation for me to come in so that that'll be fun I love it. Tell me, tell me a little more about the foundation. It's called the Del Shores Foundation. It's called the Del Shores Foundation. You can find it at delshoresfoundation.org. And what we do is we mentor and, 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 and celebrate queer storytellers. And so every year we have a writer search. And this was our first year because the pandemic, you know, basically shut us down. And we just announced the winners in, in the categories of playwriting and screenwriting and short film. Wow. And we give, uh, we give uh, prize money to these winners, but we also uh, connect them to people who can actually make their work. That's amazing. Yeah. The play, we give a grant to the first theater. We give a $10,000 grant to the first theater that will produce the play. So it really is something that, you know, when, when I started out, I had a lot of people that, that sort of 
celebrated my work and gave me opportunity. But a lot of people, a lot of writers and storytellers, they don't know how to get their, their stories told. Yeah. So um, Stuart Bell, one of my very good friends, he observed me mentoring my, uh, my associate, Matt Hayes, who wrote a beautiful short film called Cognitive that I, I actually was, uh, I played a homophobic pastor in it. Perfect. The, 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 the short film went to, went on to win a lot of film festivals. And um, Stuart said, let's do this for other people. Let's see what we can do. And so we have a wonderful board. We have a great executive director and it's, it's going well. Good for you. That's a, that takes time. That's a lot of bandwidth. And I admire you, uh, for creating that and committing to it. It's good. It's a part-time job with no payment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where do I get one of those? I love those. I, I just, you know, I, I just, I get to do a lot, but I, I don't, I, I don't resent. I just love it. I yes. love doing it. You get to do the thing. You get to do the thing. That's the thing. That's the point. Um, final question. Do you have any, do you have a motto or words that you live by or things that you think about? Like, this is how I'm going to approach my life. Um, and you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically an atheist, I guess, or maybe an agnostic that lives with hope in his heart. But I do feel like doing to others as you, you know, as you want them to do unto you, as, which is paraphrasing Bible verse: "Be ye kind one to another." I think kindness goes a long way. Uh, and that I, every day, I, I wake up and I, I, I say the word gratitude, and I list all the things that I'm grateful for. And then I, I say the word abundance and I, 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 talk, I, I just make a list in my head or on paper of all the things that I feel that are abundant in my life. And it, it sets me on a path that is very helpful. I love that. I started doing that gratitude practice during the pandemic, but I do it at night and I write down five things that I'm grateful for. And here's what I've found, that if something big happens in your day, that's clearly the event of the day, you have to include it. And if it's not, if it's not a good event, then you have to spin it. And so I find that the exercise of doing that has really changed my life in kind of a dramatic way. Um, I had a friend that had run out of gas and it texted me and said, hey, can you come and bring me gas? And I was like, sure, I'll be there, you know, whatever. And as I was driving there, I'm like, this has to go on my gratitude list. This is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm just helping a friend that ran out of gas. But it was so, in my mind, it was like, oh, this is maybe number one or two. Like, this is a... So I think it's just shifted my my attitude in a kind of general positive way, in a big way, actually. Well, so I that. think, I mean, if you really break that down, you had a friend who, 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 who loves you enough yeah. that you're the, you're the person that they reached out to. Right. So there's, there's the gratitude of that. Friend. And I was able to do it. And, and I was able to. The act of giving. Yes. yes. The act was, of giving is a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, it came in. I mean, I think I got some El Pollo Loco coupons that day in the mail and that was probably number three or four, but definitely helping the friend was higher than that for sure. For sure. Well, I am grateful that we have been friends for many, many years. I, you, you know, always show up for to, me and I really appreciate it. Well, and, uh, and I, I, and I love your work I, and I love uh, yours. So look at so. that. Um, so thank you so much. I, uh, anything that people should be watching for on the horizon? Um, 
I don't know. Just, yeah. you know, g- get, grab my book. And grab your book. If you, if you see that I'm performing somewhere, come see me. And we'll, if you see me out, you know, in West Hollywood and you're single and, and you go, wow, I've always wanted to go out with Del Shores. Yeah. Just ask. Just ask. I'm so circling the block. Just... <laughs> that might be the name of this podcast episode i'm always looking for a clever uh turn of phrase so that might be it all right del thank you so much uh everyone buy the book it's on amazon it's sorted live saga before the trip bye thank you Dennis. thank you I'll bye Thanks again to Del Shores. Get his book. It's called The Sorted Life Saga Before the Trip. It's available on Amazon, and you can learn more at delshores.com. All right, so this happened. There's a big festival happening right now in Los Angeles called the Netflix is a Joke Comedy Festival, and I've been able to see a few shows so far. Um, I saw Megan Stalter, who we know and love from Hacks. She plays Kayla the receptionist who's really horrible at her job. And I first fell in love with Megan from her Instagram. And uh, it was a big pandemic source of pleasure for me. And she would do those crazy clips. Like she did that, that one where she was a woman that worked at a, in a, like a butter churn store and she was trying to do gay pride and trying to cash in on that. Hey, gay. I don't know if you saw it. You would know it if you saw it. Anyway, her show was hilarious and also kind of fearless. And you don't know... How much is really planned and how much is just her winging it and that brand of sort of condescending but kind of fumfering and flubbing and like it's very unique what she does comedic and it has a sort of arrogance to it that's hilarious and anyway it was great to see her live and in person i also saw guy branham uh the uh gay comedian that you might know from chelsea lately and he's worked on a bunch of other shows like I worked with him for a few weeks on Fashion Police as I recall and he's very funny he tells a story about being at a gay porn party uh, in San Diego where things get a little nuts but I don't want to give away the comedy because that's not cool and the other thing that I saw is Janelle James who plays Ava on Abbott Elementary Uh, she was doing a show at the Improv as part of the festival and I'm such a fan of that show as I've mentioned before and particularly her character And it was great to see her do stand-up. And it was a very intimate room. And as she was walking onto the stage, she kind of came by my table and, like, engaged me. And she's like, what's your name? And I was just, like, glowing like a starstruck fan. I'm like, I'm Dennis. And so she would periodically check in with me and be like, isn't that right, Dennis? Like, I just felt very special is the point. And um, maybe she knew I had this podcast and I might talk about it. I doubt it. Um, But what was fun about her show is that she was like, I don't have any jokes. I, I've just been doing a sitcom and getting famous. But she sort of talked about what it was like to, how her life has changed, you know. And uh, people will scream at her in the grocery store. And a lot of people in her past want to catch up. I think that's what happens when somebody you know gets famous or successful. You decide you need to catch up with them. There's a lot of catching up that needs to happen. So I've been on the wanting to catch up end of things uh, a number of times in my life. Hey, let's catch up. All right, that's enough for this week. Thank you to AJ Souza for mixing my podcast. And additional technical support is from JB Bursey. The theme music is composed by Mark Daniels for placement music. And that's it for this week. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.